Smartcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, here we go on the One of It podcast. As always, it is David Schiff here with my partner, Miles V. Mr. V, how are you doing this fine week? How was your Thanksgiving? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. Thanksgiving was a blur, David. I don't know about you. It feels like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. I don't. I I think I've lived like seven years since since Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're going to talk about games that were only seven days ago that feel like a lifetime ago. In the world of football, it just feels like a million years ago. Always a great holiday, though. So much great football. They threw the game on Black Friday, so even another day to watch. Yeah, had a great time. You and I did not do so great on Thanksgiving. I, you know, you a little bit more mixed results, but uh, we started our Thanksgiving off with great food, not great football. Just a little bit of headline. It was uh, it was a mediocre week for both of us, I would say. Just average. It was a shocker. Thanksgiving was a shocker. And I, I think it was very much like Navin Johnson from The Jerk in terms of how he captures time. First day seemed like a week. And the second day seemed like five days. And the third day seemed like a week again. And the fourth day seemed like eight days. And I'll tell you, it started off with the Detroit game, which was a complete shocker to me. And that kind of set the tone, not just for the week, but for my entirety of the holiday. Well, I had that game in the first play, which was a 53-yard pass from Jordan Love to Christian Watson, set the tone for that game, which set the tone for my Thanksgiving. Yeah, that was a little rough start. We'll talk about that in a second. Doesn't it feel, Miles, that the NFC is so much stronger than the AFC right now? I mean, right now, San Francisco, Dallas, Philadelphia, they're the world beaters. And it just feels like the NFC title game is going to be the Super Bowl because even though Kansas City and Jacksonville and Baltimore and Miami are good, none of them are playing with that great dominant style that some of the NFC teams are playing with right now. I agree with that. And and you didn't even mention Buffalo or Cincinnati, who, you know, at the beginning of the year, we thought were going to be the perennial favorites. And they seem to be backing off a little bit. Well, Cincinnati, I think, is done without Joe Burrow. I mean, if you look at what Browning did last week. Now, I did have Dallas to win the Super Bowl, and I'm feeling pretty good about that pick because they are firing on all cylinders right now. So I like that pick. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about Cincinnati. I don't really think we have to worry about the AFC right now. I just don't see anybody who is playing at the level of those other three teams in the NFC. I would say that the NFC has been definitely more consistent week in and week out because there'll be some weeks where I'll look at Miami and think they're really good. And there'll be some Mm -hmm. weeks where I look at Kansas City and think they're Mm -hmm. really good. But then you can have a week where, you know, Mahomes doesn't have a a receiver to throw to and you think there's no way they're going to have the depth to make it all the way. No, you're exactly right. A week where Kansas City loses to Denver, a week where Baltimore loses to Cleveland. All of these you know, teams seem to hit these speed bumps in the road when you think they're a good team and they don't play uh, up to snuff. You lose! 
Good day, sir. So in a world where coaches are starting to get fired as we're two thirds of the way of, of the way into the season, I do have a little bit of a pop quiz for you, Miles. You know, I love a good pop quiz. Are you up for this? You do. I, I'm totally up for it. And I'm going to tell you that I, I've got one for you today. So what do you think about that? Okay, you're, you're returning serve with your pop quiz. I love it. Well, here is mine. So in the world of coaches being fired in the NFL, can you name the only coach in NFL history who has been fired or was fired in back-to-back seasons? No, I, I couldn't even begin to think. I'm not that great when it comes to coaches. Well, I thought that the topic might give you a hint because the coach who I'm talking about was fired last week. It was Frank Reich. Okay. So last season, Frank Reich was fired by the Colts. And this season, he was just fired by the Carolina Panthers. Well, I forgot that he was with the Colts because my recollection was Jeff Saturday was coaching that team for the better part of the year. <laughs> One of the many coaches. You know. No, that's funny. Well, I've got one for you. Okay. Uh, and and the reason I even thought of it is because I made a bet uh, on FanDuel this week and it lost, and this is the reason why. Uh, there were two teams this week, 12, that managed not to score a touchdown during mm. their game. One of the teams won their game and one of the teams lost their game. Can you name the two teams that failed to score a touchdown this week? Two teams that failed to score a touchdown. Um, Was it the Carolina Panthers? No, that is incorrect. Was it the Chicago Bears? That is correct. They were the team that managed to win Monday night without scoring a touchdown. Yeah, four field goals. That's right. Ah, the other one, was it the Cleveland Browns? It was not. Okay, I don't know. Uh, This was the bet that I lost. I made a bet on Sunday that said during the morning games, every team would score a touchdown, and every team but one managed to score a touchdown. The New Orleans Saints failed to score a touchdown. Five field goals for them. Five field goals for the Saints against the Falcons. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're moving the ball, you're kicking field goals, but you can't get it into the end zone. That is frustrating. That's how you lose football games. Exactly. Uh, Kicking is for losers is a quote that I think I believe Kelly in Vegas has has been saying. So, (laughs) Well, let's take a quick look at last week's uh, bets. As everybody knows, we have $1,000 every week to put on at least three games. We have to bet the entire $1,000. Each bet has to be at least $100. And as As I said, Miles and I had, I would say, mediocre weeks. So I went one and two last week, but I did hit my big bet. So I ended up with $840. Miles uh, went one one and one, correct? One win, one loss, one tie. Is that what you did? Yes, that is what I did. Uh, I managed to get uh, $990. So basically broke even on the $1,000. I $990 returned. Unfortunately, it snapped my uh, consecutive winning weeks of, I think I was up to six. Yeah, you were at six weeks in a row cashing, which is just like the streak you had last year, $10 away from a technical cash. But uh, you were lucky to get some of that money back. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I'm going to recap my bets quickly. So the first bet I had was Detroit minus seven and a half against Green Bay. 
so disappointed in the Lions. I really thought it was going to be a mini bounce back week for them after they didn't play great against the Bears. It wasn't. Like I said, Green Bay had this big play on the first pass, the first play of the game, 53 yards. But here's really the question about this game. Is this a game that exposed Detroit uh, as being a little overrated? Their offensive line certainly did not hold up against Green Bay. Their defensive secondary certainly didn't hold up against Green Bay. Or are we witnessing the light bulb moment for Jordan Love, who suddenly is putting up good numbers, is looking calm, the game is slowing down, he looks poised, you know, 22 of 32 for 268, three touchdowns. Hard to tell which is which because Detroit did a lot of things to help lose this game. You know, they went for five fourth downs. They only converted one. They tried a fake punt on their 22 that didn't, you know, go anywhere. And Green Bay scored a, a touchdown. I'm not really sure who screwed this game up or if it's, hey, we really saw something in Jordan Love um, and he's now turning the corner. But this game was never, ever close for Detroit. I'm not sure either. I'm not ready to make that declaration, but I'll tell you what, if we come back to it next week, I think I will, because I think Green Bay has a really tough game this week against Kansas City, and we will see whether or not it was just a one-week fluke with Jordan Love. Um, I was shocked, having watched many a Packer game, that they had that kind of offensive power. And really, the secret weapon has been this guy, Jaden Reed, who's come out of nowhere and has been scoring touchdowns for the last several games. So I don't know where he's been hiding. But, uh, you know, it's certainly I think he can play running back. I think he can play wide receiver. I think he can play just about any uh, skill position. He's one of those really fast lightning rod, almost like a Darren Sproles, not quite as sm small as Darren Sproles, but that kind of player. Yeah, and I think it's been a couple weeks for Love now. He played well last week as well. So maybe, you know, the patience of Green Bay and, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is paid off. So that was my first bet on Thursday. Did not start my football week enough. Great. But then nice comeback. Uh, I had Denver minus two and a half over Cleveland. This was my big bet, 440 to win 400. And now look who has a five-game winning streak. It's the Denver Broncos. And their defense continues to dominate. And now their offense is showing up a little bit. Russell Wilson threw for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. They won by 17. Do you know the score of this game, Miles? 29-17? Wasn't that something like the first time, it's like some palindrome or some kind of a number thing? A number thing in that no NFL game had ever ended 29-17 to before. That was the first time in NFL history that that was the final score in a game. Yeah, that's, that's weird to me. Uh, I'll tell you, Denver's defense, they are taking the ball away at historic rates. 15 takeaways in the last four games. They had three fumble recoveries in this game. Uh, look... You know, Cleveland is hurting. You know, DTR got hurt. It's so bad for the Cleveland Browns that they had to sign Joe Flacco, who could be playing quarterback this week. They're really hurting at quarterback. But I was all over this bet. I've really nailed something with Denver. And, you know, kudos to Sean Payton, who's figuring it out. This is what good coaches do. You want to, if you're not going to be a great playoff, you know, team, you need to be improving. And there are some teams that aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year are improving, like a Green Bay, like a Denver. So kudos to the Broncos for that win. Yeah, and I, I told you that I was going to back that bet, and I did. I, I made that bet on DraftKings and won. Uh, I would have made it if you didn't, and I think that was a smart bet. And I think it just goes to show you how 
poor Nathaniel Hackett was a coach because uh, he sucked for Denver last year, <laughs> and now he sucks for the Jets this year. So Yeah, the poor guy, you know, can't – I mean, maybe he doesn't have the skills, but he's certainly not in a good situation right now uh, in New York. So those are my first two bets. My last bet, look, I had the Raiders plus nine at home over Kansas City. Not a huge bet, 230 to win 209. Man, this game, it just really slipped away for me. It slipped away for the Raiders. They were up 14 to nothing halfway through the second quarter. I might have been counting my money a little bit. I didn't put anything in a tweet or say it out loud, but I was starting to do some math in my head. And then all of a sudden, they only score three points in the second half, and the Kansas City offense wakes up. They do have to score 10 points in the fourth quarter to cover. And it was weird. It was like Mahomes flipped a little bit of a light switch in the second quarter, and suddenly he's giving it to Pacheco and getting the ball to Rice. And, you know, Kelsey had some catches here and there, and it was sort of like the Chiefs of old. But I don't I don't really know where that came from. And, you know, I'd bet the number as nine being a lot of points to give the Raiders at home. Y- you can't really fault anybody on the Raiders' side. Aiden O'Connell was okay. Josh Jacobs had more than 100 yards. Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers showed up. There was even a Hunter Renfro siding for the Raiders. They just couldn't keep Kansas City out of the end zone. And this is the difference between good football teams and bad football teams. Bad football teams kick field goals and good football teams get into the end zone. Uh, look, I thought uh, I thought nine points was going to be enough. It wasn't. I didn't win that bet. That's the fact, Jack! Yeah, and I, I thought that the rivalry between Kansas City and Oakland would come into play and then it'd be a lot closer because that often is the case and it just it just wasn't this year although like you pointed out uh you know the Raiders came out to just a, a huge lead and uh and then that was kind of it it was just they they shot their wad early um weren't able to really pace themselves throughout the game. I was surprised at that outcome. Yeah, and uh, like I said, you know, it's hard not to get your hopes up when you're up two touchdowns plus the nine points, you know, a quarter and a half into the game. But it didn't it didn't pan out. I go one and two. I do finish with 840. Not a terrible result. Not the best. Yeah, well, I did do a little bit better. Uh, my big bet was the San Francisco 49ers minus six and a half against Seattle. And that game was on Thanksgiving, and that was the, the last game. And thankfully, that one came in, and it came in pretty easily. Uh, San Francisco looked really good. Yeah, uh, I was able to you know, socialize with family and not be completely glued to the television because the 49ers just took care of business. I think uh, the lack of having Kenneth Walker, I think uh, that Geno Smith not being at 100% all were factors, and, uh, you know, that one breezed. Unfortunately, uh, I made a huge mistake the game before, and that was taking the commander's plus 11 against the Cowboys. Now, I say it's a huge mistake in, in now in retrospect, but I'll tell you, for three quarters, they were covering. I mean, the commanders were in that game. They were down maybe 10 points, I think, uh, after three, and then there was just an abysmal fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, it was touchdown followed by a pick six, followed by a turnover. I mean, it was just horrible. The, the quarter was so bad, it cost defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio his job. That's how bad that one quarter was. They gave up 25 points in the last quarter. You know, I did say I hated this bet. I just am not surprised. 
You did, but if you were watching the game for the first three quarters, I was winning. I mean, it wasn't, it's not like I was out of it in the first quarter. Surely you can't be serious. At the end of the day, this was me think, this was me out thinking myself, saying the trends show that Dallas doesn't cover on Thanksgiving. I think I might have to start throwing out some of these historical facts. I mean, I guess the same could be true of, of the of the Raiders, Kansas City. You just can't look at what they did seven times ago when they played. You got to look at the present and the streaks and where they're at. And uh, again, I just I I got to stop getting so cute and and going with uh, you know with with who looks better with my two eyes rather than you know what happened historically. Yeah, no, I would agree with you that in this case, the historical fact was interesting. You pulled it out and I hadn't hadn't found it. I thought that was certainly interesting. But passing the eyeball test when you were looking how the teams were playing right now, that's when I would certainly go with the recent results and how I see these teams, not the historical. Right. Well, the last bet that I had was probably the best game of the season that I've seen. It was it was the Philadelphia Eagles Buffalo Bills game. What a great game. It was a seesaw battle. Uh you know the the Eagles were up for most of the game. They were up by 4 and I thought that was going to be the end. Then they went down by 3. Then they kicked a miracle field goal to take uh, it yeah, overtime. 59-yard field goal in the rain. I would say that was a that was a big highlight moment for the Eagles. Absolutely. Yeah. That was pretty unbelievable. And then what? Buffalo gets the ball. They take it. They take it for like five minutes and kick a field goal. And then what happens? Philadelphia scores a touchdown. Too bad they don't get to kick the extra point, or otherwise I win the bet. But that touchdown put them up by three, which was the number for the push. Some people got it at three and a half and lost. Some people got it at two and a half and won. I'll take the push based on that game, although it was really a fun game. Philadelphia is a great team. They just find find ways to win. Fourth straight comeback win in a row, and you're right. This team just never dies. They never quit, and they have just repeatedly found a way to win it at the end, and I am looking forward, as I'm sure you are, to next week's game when they're playing the 49ers. That's going to be one hell of a game as well. Sure is. Well, that's how we did during the week. I do have a list of how the Army did, if you want to hear about them. Yeah, and really quickly, you know, uh, Dave Siegel did send out, and I know I think he sent in a bet. He he did uh, he, he did assure us that he bet last week. We don't have to send in a rescue mission. He just forgot to hit send on his tweet. So he's alive and well, and we're great to hear from you, Dave Siegel. He is. Oh, thank goodness. I thought we'd have to trade three hostages or something to get him back. Just two. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, he did bet this week. Uh, he, he was on the Jags, but his other two bets didn't come in. So he was one and two for the week. Uh, really, one of the guys to watch is RJ. He was two and one. This was his first loss since November fifth. He's had all wins or ties. Uh, this time he had the Rams and he had Atlanta. So if you want to tell someone, I'd be looking towards RJ. All right, uh, it was John Zvagdas for a while, but I guess now we're tailing RJ. Well, Zvagdas was also on the Jags, but he went one and two as well. I think, like yourself, he liked Detroit, and unfortunately, that didn't come in. Uh, Dave Barons, he was on the Rams, but he was one and two. Uh, Donnie Wheels, he decided to go big-time parlay, and he actually hit one again. He hit a Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indianapolis combination parlay. (laughs) So good for Donnie. I love it. He also had Baltimore, and so he was definitely up on the week. 
Um, Bill Kuklanis this time decided to give us map coordinates in order to try to figure out what cities we were in. He's torturing uh, you. Oh my God. It took me uh, an abacus and 35 <laughs> minutes today to try to figure out what happened. And it turns out that uh, he, someone in South America might have won. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he went one and two with the San Francisco 49ers being the one that won. And then, of course, we cannot forget my cousin Nick, who has a system to beat all systems. We're talking. A system better than Dwayne from what's happening. We're talking he had Pittsburgh winner. He had the Bears winner. He had whoever played Carolina, which in this case was Tennessee. Winner. Winner. <laughs> Reno for my cousin Nick. Uh, yeah, raking it. Good for Nick. Yeah, by the way, I like that whoever's playing Carolina bet, and I kind of like whoever's playing the New York Jets bet, too. Both of those are pretty solid bets. It doesn't really matter who's on the other side of the game. Yeah, that's kind of where it's shaping up, and I think when we get into this week's bets, we might uh, see a little bit of that, so... We'll see. By the way, I love hearing the report of the Army every week. It just makes me happy. I love hearing everybody's bets and, you know, everybody's engaged and following along. And we get the tweets of who's up and how much people are up for the year. So if you're out there, join the Army, man. Go on to Twitter. Go on to X. Give us your picks every week. $1,000, three bets. It's a lot of fun. We do love it. We'd love to read your name out loud on uh, on our pod. So please keep up the good work. With that, David, I think we might need to take a break before we come back to week 13. What do you think? I definitely have to pee. Let's take a break and let's uh, come back and spend some more money on next week. We'll be right back on the Wanna Bet Podcast. Okay, we are back with the Wanna Bet Podcast, heading into week 13. As always, Miles and I put new money into our wallets and we look ahead to this week's games and we tell you what we are looking at. Miles. You're up first this week. Who do you like? All righty. Well, I'm going to go with uh, with Nick's proven theory here and bet whoever is playing Carolina and taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus five and a half. Now, it really is an anti-Carolina bet, but I am excited that Tampa Bay is finally coming back home. So they do have the home field. They have been playing better at home. Uh, and, you know, they're still in the playoff hunt for that uh, NFC South. So uh, they have a lot to play for. Whereas, on the other hand, Carolina just fired their coach, Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that was a popular opinion or not. Carolina first pick goes to the Chicago Bears no matter where it is. So they can't really lose to improve on purpose. They can't win to save their life. They're really in this no man's land where they've got nothing to play for, and now they're not even playing for the coach. So sometimes, you know, a fired coach fires up a team and they want to play for the new guy. That's probably the only, you know, negative about this bet is that could happen. But I just don't think it is. I just don't think that team has enough skill to overcome what is a, a decent Tampa Bay Buccaneers team at home that does have skilled players, you know, that does have Mike Evans, who had a major game last week, that does has got that does have Godwin. Uh, you know, even Rashid White has been doing some some damage. So um yeah, five and a half points. Maybe it's a little bit of points to give, but I'm taking my chance and going with the Buccaneers, three hundred and thirty to win three hundred. What do you think about this firing, Miles? Because normally a rookie quarterback 
the coach will get at least a year or two with somebody brand new. Now, you know that I am not a fan of Bryce Young. I don't think he's a good pick. I don't think he looks like a pro NFL quarterback. He's slight. He's small. He's not impressed me. But do you think that this is a function of Frank Reich was a huge Bryce Young you know, proponent in the draft room and really wanted to pick him? And now that he's not performing... Uh, he's the scapegoat and they're cutting him loose. It's just like a weird firing for, uh, you know, a rookie who's the first round pick in the draft to have your coach, you know, fired two thirds of the way through the season. Don't you think? No, that's definitely a fair point. Uh, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, to be honest. Uh, here in Chicago, all the rage is about firing Matt Eberflus. Mm. And unfortunately, the Bears winning another game kind of gives him a stay of execution. Yeah. But. I don't know why exactly, you know, Frank Frank Reich is a, is a scapegoat here. I I definitely think between Brendan Staley and uh, and Eberflus, there are other coaches that are well deserving of being fired mid year. Not Frank Reich in his first year with a rookie quarterback, and not a whole lot that he's surrounded by. Well, speaking of state of execution, I'm I'm shocked that Brandon Staley didn't get fired after the Chargers lost to Baltimore. I don't know what they're waiting for. That guy is clearly not getting it done. And it's funny because I'm on some of these bolts, you know, groups for Twitter, and somebody texted the wrong Staley got fired because in addition to Frank Reich, Deuce Staley of the Panthers also got fired. He was running backs coach or something, which made me laugh. Yeah, so Staley fired was actually trending, but it was the wrong Staley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with not even having a first-round pick next year, it's not like Carolina is going to get better soon. So unless they do something drastic, uh, that team is is really in a bad spot. They sure are, and you better hope they're in a bad spot because I get the anybody who's playing Carolina side of the bet. Tampa Bay has lost six of the last seven games. So they're up and down. They're competitive. Mayfield's a veteran. Uh, he's got a bad ankle. I, I I worry, I hope this isn't like when you bet Houston, Carolina, and suddenly Carolina, you know, jumped up and covered. No, it's it's a possibility, but uh but we're we're rolling the dice. I just uh I just would be surprised if Carolina showed up. They got nothing to show up for. I, I hear you, man. And and that's a good segue leading into my bets because the theme of my betting this week is bad offense. Bad offense because when you identify it, you can maximize it to your potential. And I think in all three games, I am capitalizing on what I hope is bad offense to win some money here. And my first bet, we don't usually do this, but I am betting the Thursday night game. I am betting Dallas minus nine over Seattle. I am so confident about this game. I am going huge. 550 to win 500 on the Cowboys covering at home against Seattle. I just don't know how Seattle's going to be within 15 or 20 points if you look at some of their recent results. I mean, first of all, the Cowboys are on fire. They've won five out of their last six. The only loss in there was a loss to Philadelphia. Average margin of victory in those five games, 23 points. Average margin of victory in their last three games, 31 points. They have seven wins this year by at least 20 points. I, yeah, I think you can make the argument that no team, maybe with the exception of the 49ers, is as playing is playing as well as the Cowboys this year. CeeDee Lamb has finally turned it on and is turning into the receiver everybody thought he would be. Dak Prescott had four touchdowns, no interceptions last week. Tony Pollard even showed up with 79 yards and a touchdown. He's been MIA all this year. They've got a DB who had his fifth pick six of the year. So they're doing it on both sides of the ball. 
And meanwhile, the Seahawks are coming into town. They've lost three out of four. Their only win is against Washington. They lost, as we know, 31-13 to the 49ers. And seven of those points are from a pick six. Their offense is really, really struggling. Geno Smith does not play great when he's pressured, and we know that the Cowboys are going to bring pressure. He was banged up last week, as you pointed out, sacked six times. I just think this is a matchup where uh, hopefully this game is over in the second quarter and I end Thursday night with over $1,000 in my bank to start because Dallas is going to kill them. It's hard to argue, and especially having gone against them last week and getting my ass spanked, uh, I, I can't really you know, fault you for doing it. Dallas is uh, is really a great team. They're a hot team. Um, you know, and hot teams that have put together lots of double-digit wins. Uh, even when you think they're playing in a in a tight divisional matchup, they still blew the game wide open last week. So, um, yeah, I've got nothing really to say against you here uh, other than, you know, it can't keep up forever. But, um, but I do think that they're the much better team in the situation. Typically, you would look at those nine points and say nine points is a lot, but Dallas has been stomping on the neck of their opponents. They have not been letting backdoor covers happen. They have been winning by you know 20 points or more, and I hope that continues tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. Yeah. Well, I think the most interesting part is that by the end of it, you'll know where you stand. Either you're going to be up on the week on one bat or you're going to be really trying to make a comeback. All right, well, my second bet is probably a little surprising. It was surprising to me. I kind of saw it at the beginning of the week and then decided to lay off of it, and then I came back to it. And and that is I am taking uh, the San Francisco 49ers minus 2.5 against Philadelphia. So, uh, look, I took Philadelphia last week. I've been singing the praises of Philadelphia. Philadelphia has one loss on the year. And I, I, I even said last week, I'm going to ride Philadelphia until, you know, in, until they show they're going to lose. And they haven't lost. So why am I not riding Philadelphia? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but they have had st- the most difficult schedule these last five weeks. They have played and beaten Miami, Washington, Dallas, Kansas City, and then Buffalo. And get this, after they play San Francisco this week, they're playing Dallas next week, their biggest divisional rivalry. I kind of think this is just a spot where Philly's found major ways to win, but the more important game for them is next week against Dallas versus this week against San Francisco. And they've been winning in ways that are just almost unbelievable. Jalen Hurts is limping around. Uh, you know, they had an overtime game the other night, and they're playing against San Francisco, who has extra rest. They played Thanksgiving. They've got all that extra time. It's almost like a half of a buy for them. So uh, I'm buying down a half a point. I'm getting it at minus 120. Uh, right now, the line, when I looked at it, was minus three even, but minus two and a half at, my, at 120. And I'm going to take that extra half point just so that I don't get in a, a push situation. So I'm betting 360 to win 300. Philly, I love you. Uh, and I will always love you. But that's just a lot of games in a row to just maintain that kind of uh, uh, level of perfection. Level of kind of pulling out a, a rabbit out of a hat. That's what they've been doing. And in that sense, I do agree with you that they can't keep doing it forever. Fun fact about this game, there are seven home underdogs this week. Only one has a winning record. 
not surprised that there wouldn't be a lot if you're a home underdog. You're a home underdog for a reason. But the one that has a winning record that's a home underdog is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are an underdog at home, which is sort of amazing being that they're 10-1. and one. <laughs> They are the number one seed in the NFC right now, and they're a home underdog. It's kind of crazy. But hey, like San Francisco's been playing really well. It's crazy that I'm violating my rule one and one A, but I'll tell you, San Francisco has been playing well ever since they, you know, righted their ship. They look about as strong as Dallas does too. And so uh, I'd much rather deal with two and a half points than nine. And this was the game I decided to hop on again. Philly can afford, could afford to lose this game and it would not going to adversely affect them for the year. They're a playoff team. They're looking great. Uh, and I think the more important game for them is going to be against Dallas. I like the logic. We'll see if uh, Philadelphia can pull more magic uh, out of the hat uh, or not, but uh, yeah, that's a good bet. A uh, little bit surprising. You're right. Uh, but I see why you're making it. I'm also making uh, a little bit of a surprise bet. So in your vein that we were talking about of whoever's playing the Carolina Panthers is a good team to bet on, and in my vein of let's look for some bad offense, I am betting on the New York Jets to be horrible and lose. So I am taking Atlanta at minus 120, minus 2.5 on the road, over the New York Jets, 340 to win 300. By the way, did you see that Aaron Rodgers is back on the practice field? There's footage I of did. him actually, yeah, at practice, which is so crazy. Uh, unfortunately, the Jets are just imploding. I just, they're not going to have a record to, to get anywhere at the end of the season. If you like bad offense in the ocean of the NFL, the Jets have been a tidal wave of bad offense. I, you know, I felt like, when Rodgers went down and Wilson was named starting quarterback, there was a glimmer of hope that every now and then he would make a pass or a play or have a drive where you would sort of see this guy's got a little bit of potential and we understand why the Jets are you know, keeping him around. And then all of that just went to shit. Uh, you know, now two weeks later, three weeks later from that, the Jets have lost four in a row. Wilson's now the third string quarterback. Robert Sala just does not know what to do with those teams. In those four losses, in the last four losses in a row, the Jets have scored a total, a total of 37 points. That is anemic, under 10 points a game. And yeah, the defense is good. I get it. And that's kind of the questionable part of this game because, you know, Atlanta has been a very mercurial team. And I am a little bit nervous about their ability to come in and score, but they don't need to score that many points. And I think the Jets defense is just tired. Those guys are out on the field so much, and it's got to be so demoralizing to go out and play so well, only to lose these games 13 to 10, 17 to 3, because your offense just can't score. Now, here's the deal. Falcons have not been playing great. I think they've lost three out of four, but they do come off of a nice win over New Orleans. And that game came after their bye, where they actually made some good adjustments during the week, uh, during the week off. They gave the ball to Bijan Robinson more, he, and they kept him in in the red zone. That's really the important thing. He had 90 yards rushing. He had a 10-yard touchdown against New Orleans. They gave the ball to Corderell Patterson more. They found the, a way to get the ball to Drake London and all of this. He had over 90 receiving yards. So they did a better job kind of managing Desmond Ritter, who's still very, very inconsistent. Two more interceptions. He has not been great I don't think he needs to be great. I don't think Atlanta needs to score a lot of points to win this bet and cover the spread. 
you could make an argument to go with the under. It's one of those really low tempting numbers at 34. It's a little too low for me. I think it will be a low scoring game. This could be 17 to seven, that kind of a game. But I think Atlanta has enough and the Jets have nothing. They just don't have any semblance of an offense right now. They don't. Yeah, if this was the Monday night game, I would take the under for sure. Because I don't know if you know this stat, but Monday night games uh, are 13 and one for the under. And the reason why it's 13 Crazy. and one is because there was, I think, the first couple weeks of the season, there were multiple Monday night games because we're mm-hmm. only in week 13. But yeah, the primetime unders are absolutely ballistic. And I said last week, you know, I don't want to touch. I don't want to touch the Minnesota and Bears one. And look what happened. It was twelve to ten. And I said last week I didn't want to touch the Chargers one either. Baltimore that one was an under. It's it's almost like a free money. So I don't know why I'm not taking the uh, the the unders, but because because thirty I, the wise because they put a number of thirty four and you're just like that is such a low number. That's why it's a scary low number. It's going to come in and it's going to come in because uh, you are right about two things. The Jets defense has to be tired because they're always on the field because the offense goes three and out and they don't have the ball for very long. And so it's time of possession and New York is losing in that category. These guys have got to be gassed. And then secondly, your observation about Bijan Robinson. Finally, you know, they're using the guy. Yeah. And what's happening? He's scoring touchdowns. And I don't know what the hell it's taken so long for Atlanta to figure this out. Uh, you know, they they have decided to go back to Desmond Ritter at quarterback, which I think is great. It wouldn't surprise me if the Jets go back to Sack Wilson because <laughs> their 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 other options are just ugly too. Well, I think, though, as third-string quarterback, the other two quarterbacks have to be hurt. I don't think they can just put him in because they want to. Like As the third-string quarterback, things have to happen well, in a medical way. I I, uh, I I like your bat. I also like the under. So Hey, by the way, you reminded me, and I forgot to bring this up when you were talking about the Philadelphia-San Francisco game. You know I thought seriously about the over. Like I was going to take the over on that. Do you think that's going to be a high-scoring game? It, 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 at the end of the day, I got a little nervous about the San Francisco defense clamping down on Philadelphia, but Philadelphia averages like over 30 points a game at home, and the over was like 46 or 47. I did think seriously about it. Yeah, if you would have taken the over, then I'd stay away from it because you were over on overs this year. So <laughs> with you being on that bandwagon, that completely affects the outcome of the game. And so we'll win an over before the end of the year. You mark my words; it's going to happen. God damn it! Famous last <laughs> words. Well, let me tell you my third bet of the week because this yeah. is one that I wasn't sure I was going to do, but I've decided. Is it an under? No, it is not. You're Captain Underpants. What's going on? I know. I, I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half against the Cleveland Browns. Bad offense? Yeah. Well, that's just it. I, I watched you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson just look horrible for the last two weeks and he even got knocked out of the last game with a concussion. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, but I'll tell you, I don't think P.J. Tucker is really that much better. I think that they rank about the same. And so I just don't feel good about their offense, coupled with, I don't know if you saw this, but Miles Garrett's playing hurt. Mm-hmm. He's not at 100%, and I don't even know if he's going to be in for the normal amount of snaps that he takes. And without him on defense, Cleveland isn't really the same. He is kind of a game changer. So... 
Rams are at home. Stafford, uh, you know, looked really good last week. Uh, you know, they've got Robinson now at running back, who I think is looking amazing. Um, you know, I, I, I just think this is a situation at three and a half points where the Rams are going to be superior to Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland's still in the hunt, but the Rams are still in the hunt too. If Dallas does to Seattle what you think they're going to do and the Rams win, the Rams are right there and tied for second place. How funny would it be if Joe Flacco ends up in this game? Because he is being listed as the number two quarterback right now. So I think DTR is questionable and hurt. Then it's Flacco. PJ Tucker, I think, is third. But boy, talk about coming off this, the street like a like a Josh Dobbs where, you know, last week you're on your couch and this week you might be starting for the Browns. That's a good omen for you. Boy, the Rams are just one of those teams for me that every time I think they're going to zig, they zag and somebody gets hurt. They have so many older players that it doesn't take anything for a Stafford to go out or a couple to go out or an Aaron Donald to go out and that really changes the dynamics they should win they should cover if they played you know anywhere like like last week but we'll see yeah I'm going here with uh, with the home favorites and hoping that those that they win and that that goes for the Rams and the Bucks. so believe me the other options were betting against either like Houston or Tennessee who I you know whenever I do that I lose so uh this is this is where I ended up all right, so those are Miles' three bets, and I am left with a nice even amount of $110 remaining. So I am going to bet my remaining $110 to win 100 on a team I've bet a lot on this year, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I haven't won all the time. I've had very mixed results with Jacksonville. But once again, in the theme of bad offense, I am taking them at minus eight and a half over the Cincinnati Bengals to win that $100. Look, here are some stats from the Cincinnati Steeler game last week. Jake Browning did have one touchdown and one interception in the red zone. He was sacked four times. Now, because the Steelers didn't really have to worry about Browning throwing, they could key on the run, the Bengals had 25 yards rushing. Joe Mixon had eight rushes for 16 yards last week. That's the third fewest by the Bengals in like 60 years. And now they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville has a good run defense. They are the number four run defense in the league. And Jacksonville's also won seven of their last eight games. They are coming off of a narrow win uh, in Houston. Houston actually came back and had a chance to tie that game. They, they doinked a 58-yard field goal, I think. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence was really good, 364 yards in that game. And by the way, this was in Houston. Tre- uh, the Jacksonville won on the road in Houston. Um, five different receivers in that game had more than 40 yards receiving. And, and the Jaguars, I don't know if you realize this, they've quietly become a really tough team. They're 6-0. and Oh, away from home. Uh, they won a couple games in London. I, I think that I just don't see any offensive hope for the Cincinnati Bengals this week. And they're, you know, again, going in on the road against a good team that's playing pretty well. It's a lot of points. Eight and a half is a lot of points. I think Jacksonville wins by double digits. Jacksonville is such an interesting team to me. Uh, just when they get back, their receiver, Zay Jones, what happens? Uh, Ridley starts going ballistic, and he starts catching tons of, of, of catches. Uh, you know, Yeah, he had a big game last week. Uh, two, and that's two weeks in a row. You know, They were going the Kirk a whole bunch, uh, but he's been a little bit more quiet, and now Ingram's heating up again. So they've got a lot of ways to distribute the ball, and I really do like this Jacksonville team. I've always liked Etienne at running back. 
Um, you know, the eight and a half points is a lot. Um, you know, that's the only really X factor for me because I do think Jacksonville wins. I don't know how Cincinnati is going to keep it close, so we'll have to see. But I think that's a I think that's a good bet. I hope so. I think they're good bets every week, and then they don't all come in. I don't I don't know what happens. Funny thing that yes. Those are our picks. Miles, you want to do a little quick recap? Yeah, I am taking Tampa Bay minus five and a half against Carolina. I am taking the 49ers minus two and a half against the Eagles. And I am taking the Rams minus three and a half against the Browns. Love it. And I am going big on Thursday night. I'm taking Dallas minus nine over Seattle, 550 to win 500 right out of the gate. So we're going to know exactly where I stand pretty early on. Atlanta minus two and a half over the Jets, 340 to win 300. And my final 110 going on Jacksonville minus eight and a half at home against the Bengals who are struggling on offense. I hope they keep struggling for another week. That's what we got, man. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Wanna Bet podcast. Remember, listeners, you too can tell us your picks by going over to Twitter or X and posting what you think is going to happen. And we do love your posts. Uh, Donnie had a really funny post about spending all of his money on jewelry based on one of the commercials he had out in Arizona. So <laughs> We are moving merchandise. You see that? Uh, advertisers come to us. We know how to get your product sold. We are stimulating the economy. We're stimulating something. I don't know. Well, it's going to be a good week. Uh, I am excited. Um, let's get on out of here, and uh, let's have some fun this week. I'm going to say love your body, Larry. Peace out, everybody. See you next week on the What A Bad Podcast. Take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.